Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy. Welcome back to That Trippy Show. A reminder, we're now doing two of these per week, uh, trying to do them Tuesdays and Fridays. So be sure to check out the show we did last Tuesday, um, uh, this past Tuesday, and stay tuned for next week. Uh, look, I'm going to be honest with you, we did this show different today. We, we recorded all the other elements uh, that you're going to hear and decided we knew we were going to have to do the town hall the Trump Town Hall first. So we recorded everything else in this podcast episode, and then we watched it so you wouldn't have to. And then after taking our showers, Alex and I are back. Alex, what the hell did you make of that? So Joe, I I, I don't think one shower was enough. Although I will say, (laughs) I thought tonight someone really proved that this was the night that they became president. And I thought that was Savannah Guthrie. <laughs> Look, I'll tell you something. I, I, I can't believe I actually sat through that thing, but, but I did. Did you really, or did you like, seriously, like, did you chicken out and start going back and forth or something? Oh, I went back and forth. Absolutely. No, I didn't. I, I, I hung in there for all you folks. And let me tell you, it was pretty amazing. Twice. The president of the United States said that 85% of people who wear masks, 85% of people who wear masks catch COVID. I mean, he, he said it once, uh, and Savannah Guthrie said, like, that's not true. I know that study. And then he came back and tried to do it a second time, and NBC went to a, a commercial break. And during which time, Alyssa Farah went up, and I think they, the White House comm shop complained to Savannah Guthrie about how hard she was pressing Trump. Did you notice that? No, I, I didn't. I was, I'm sorry, I was glued to the machine. You know, I was just sitting there hanging on every word, including oh. the woman who told him he had such a wonderful, beautiful smile. Uh, but so this is what was going on tonight, I think. And it's it really is um, a, a sad commentary on where we've uh, come as a country. Um, but it is the two different bubbles. Um, the, the Trump bubble in its own world existed on NBC tonight. And and yeah, the, the so, I mean, basically people who are watching who are Trump fans who love Trump watched NBC watched him and found out that 85% of people <laughs> who wear masks, I'm sorry, but 85% of people who wear masks catch COVID, um, that he has a wonderful smile, uh, that he has been done more for black folks than any president since Abraham Lincoln. And the, they're all nodding behind him. And, um, you know, and, and I'm sure, by the way, he won that town hall big time. Anybody who's watching it, Probably maybe 85-10, maybe 90 to 97-3. Um, on the other hand, over on ABC, you had Pres- you know, Vice President Biden, who I thought uh, basically what I did, just so everybody knows, and you, Alex, you have to chime in here. I, I At the end of the Trump thing, it was 60 minutes long. Thank thank you, somebody, for only making it 60 minutes. I went and flipped over to, to Biden and caught the last half hour or so of that. Um, and it's night and day. I mean, anybody who could watch both would see, you know, the, the same contrast that I've been talking about and that we saw in the last debate, by the way, but you, they weren't side by side. So what you had is chaos people watching their chaos leader and loving it. And, uh, in my view, for the most part, and, um, 
uh, uh, people who liked calm, calm leadership, wanted to come together in uh, a uh, sort of community and somebody who, who actually understood how government worked. We're watching uh, Joe Biden on ABC, and I'm sure he won um, that town hall 95 to 5 uh, in the exit poll, any polling that went on afterwards. Um, but in the end, I don't think it changed anything. Um, you know, it, it was a, uh, a pretty painful hour of my life that I'll never get back. I really enjoyed the QAnon part. Yeah, the same thing. I mean, it was a QAnon. He wouldn't <laughs> QAnon. He did like the fact that QAnon was clearly, clearly against pedophilia. He 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 really supported that because uh, he's against pedophilia too. It was it, absolutely insane um, what he wouldn't uh, sign off on and what he would do. And uh, you know, I think uh, uh, she did a good job. Uh, 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 you know, relatively, you know, I mean, in terms of dealing with him better, I think got more out of him than, uh, than we got in the debates. Cause he actually had to sit. And also the other thing was there were citizens asking the questions, which I think made him, he was much more subdued because yeah. of that. He couldn't attack them the way he, he did attack her. And, and, uh, although he, he did try, uh, to not attack her, but he couldn't quite pull it off. So, uh, Anyway, I don't. I don't think we need to really dwell into it as much. I mean, I. I know we had we 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 recorded the whole rest of this thing, and we're going to have a couple of shower breaks in here on things that developed after uh, uh, we recorded earlier today, uh, because we held held it open so that we could do a quick thing on on the uh, on the town halls. But look, I think it was it really gets. By the way, and there's a Tom Etzel column in the New York Times. Uh, about how Joe Biden isn't out of the woods. I I think a lot of people have gotten that column wrong. They, they, they read it and think he's saying that that Joe Biden, you know, could still lose this thing. And indeed, he is sort of saying that. But what he was really saying is that, um, and I think the larger point, and I really agree with him on it, is that even when Joe Biden wins, none of us are out of the woods. Um, because right. a lot of the things that Trump unleashed, again, the separation tonight that we saw uh, where where the country was literally splitting, you know, whether it was 55, 40, depending on what the uh, ratings are, maybe maybe Trump had higher ratings and that'll mean something to him. But in the end, it was two different worlds, uh, uh, not intermingling or talking or trying to find common ground at all. And his, his piece that I recommend for uh, you go look for, uh, maybe we'll put it in the show notes, uh, was basically saying, could you put any, you know, even if Joe Biden wins, can he put in, can he or anybody put this back in the bottle? Are are we just moving um, towards an ungovernable world that's uh, that's splintered? And um, I agreed with him on those, his larger point. It was a long column. I mean, he did get a lot into the numbers about how Trump could win, but he basically at the end asked the same question you've been asking, which is, okay, Biden wins. Trump's not going away. No, he's not. That's what I'm saying. He's not. And that, that's what we saw tonight. He he will do these kinds of shows. He'll do town halls. He'll go out and do rallies and uh, and endorse candidates and, and just wreck uh, and, and mess with the Republican Party uh, and, and the country uh, and the president. Um, it's just who he is. And um, and I, I, like I said, I, I uh, there are lots of points that Etzel made about the election that I think uh, we need to not be worried about, but focus on and make sure don't happen. 
Uh, but the larger question about how do we come out of this, even if Biden wins and Trump leaves uh, with a peaceful transition, um, how do we how do we get beyond it? And I think that's going to take all of us. And again, I think taking all of us actually starting to reach across to folks that we stop talking to and and try um, and at least try to start having a conversation. All right, Joe, it's the as we're recording this, it's the 15th, which means that this is the day that a whole bunch of spending and fundraising reports coming out. Pretty much stories all over the map, starting at the at the presidential level. I think Joe Biden came out and set another record in September, something like three hundred eighty million dollars raised. Yep. Well, look, it's I think it just saying here, but I'm only taking a wild guess. But I think. I think Joe Biden's going to be spending a lot more than seven million dollars in Texas. That's just a, uh, I'm taking a wild one there. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I, you know, I predict these things, and they don't happen. But I think I think I could be right on this one. I think I think Biden's going to be spending a hell of a lot more money than seven million there. But again, it just speaks to the Biden advantage here with the lead he has. That now a mega money advantage. The map shrinking on Trump and growing for for Biden. And again, you know, we I joke about the Texas thing, but I think it's true. Um, I think Texas now really is in play. I, I thought so. We've all talked about it before. But but now with this kind of money, um, I mean, I, you know, I don't know how they're going to be able to spend it all. I'm sure they will. But I, I think they've got whatever they need in Pennsylvania, Michigan, all these, you know, Florida uh, and now they can literally lay it out in Ohio, Texas, some places we never dreamed they'd be able to get to. Uh, and it isn't uh, anything but real discipline and being able uh, to benefit from just this grassroots uh, tsunami of support that uh, that Biden's getting online. Well, the interesting thing is, if you look at the Senate numbers, there's obviously been a massive trickle down of the Senate races, too, actually on both sides. So you look at, I mean, some of the top ones, um, you're looking at Harrison raising over 57 million. I mean, Mark Kelly, close to 40. Amy McGrath, 37. Teresa Greenfield, almost 30. Cal Cunningham, almost. I mean, there's almost every major battleground Senate Democrat raised in the eight figures. Yeah. And that, you know, look, th- th- that's great. And I think that's a big part of what I've been saying, why we're going to pick up seven or eight seats. But folks, there are four or five other races out there. You, you know, I can go through them. Kansas, uh, Alaska, uh, the, Mike Espy in Mississippi is down by a point in Mississippi. Doug Jones in Alabama. You know, Washington's been wrong about that race. I'm telling you they've been wrong. Both, both sides have been wrong about it. Um, and, but they're not on the scope. People are so focused on these other five or six uh, you know, races, uh, and those races are, you know, they've got the money, um, they're pushing through, they're competitive. I think we're going to win the, the vast majority of them, if not all of them. But now I think it really is. I've been talking about this for a few weeks now. Expand the map. There are other candidates out there who are on the cusp of winning. Um, and I think, you know, we can, we can pick them, those up uh, if they have the resources. Uh, and, and I know on the Jones campaign, we do. We need them. Uh, I know Mike Espy needs them. I know Barbara Boyer in Kansas, she could do this. Uh, but they, they're not on the 
scope. We're not we're not getting you know they're not the ones that everybody's talking about. And then up in Al, in uh, Alaska, Al Gross. I mean that guy, and he's starting to get some money, but that guy could take could take that seat. So that's how I think we get to the eight or nine seats that we could that that we can win. I'm hearing that I early urge you to uh, listen to the Pod Save America podcast uh, later today when they come out, because I think they have some very interesting news about one of those campaigns, one of the, one of those states um, and a big shift. Uh, and you're going to want to hear about it. You know, one race that it, we thought, I thought maybe when a lot of people thought there'd be some movement in this week, but it, it's kind of stayed in cement is North Carolina, where even after the sexting scandal broke, uh, Cal Cunningham's still up several points. I think it's four in the latest New York Times poll. What's your take on the state of that? I race, just don't Joe? think I said it at the time. I didn't think it was going to change much. I mean, I think it lower. You know, they both dropped uh, a bit, uh, but I think in the end it will reengage and Cal Cunningham will uh, start to to come back up and Tillis will hang somewhere down in the low mid mid forties. Uh, I mean, I think there's reasons for that. I mean, again, when you look at the structure of the race in North Carolina, everything says that Democrats are are hovering right at 50. I mean, it, it's not just Cal Cunningham. The governor is above 50. Joe Biden is at like 49, 50, 51, depending on what the poll, poll is. Uh, and Cal Cunningham was around 49. So I think there's like, a, you know, you could see the Democratic divide, the way that things are dividing up there. Uh, it's Trump and Tillis and a weak gubernatorial candidate sitting in the low 40s, and the Democrats all up right at 50. Cal Cunningham did come down, as did Tillis, but I think as it all starts to sort itself out, it's going to come back up, and I think Cal will be up there, uh, and the Democrats are going to sweep all three. I just think that's where North Carolina is going. Well, and Tillis's approval rating is just tanked. No matter what happens with Cunningham, he's below 40. Isn't Tillis the one who's out there saying he's going to be a check on Joe Biden? This is, this is where, it's, where it's all gone, where we've been out, everybody's been out there on the Democratic side say, running any states, swing states, saying there'll be a check on Trump. And it's all flipped now. Trump's so weak. Trump yeah. is so weak that you have an incumbent U.S. Senator in North Carolina actually... So yeah, Same party. actually yeah. saying, well, no, he ain't going to be president. I'll be a check on on that other guy, Joe Biden. Great. Smart. It's not going to work. You know, better than anybody, some of these states, it's not that expensive to buy a week of TV in some of these states, especially where there's a presidential not being contested. Is it is it possible that McConnell's basically looking at his dwindling accounts and saying, you know, we could spend big in Montana and Alaska because we might be able to actually make a much bigger impact there than in like Texas or even Arizona? Uh, no. I mean, look, there haven't been two Democratic senators in Arizona since 19 since the 1950s um so the fact that they're not spending there isn't because it's expensive it's because it's gone um i think that you know texas trust me if uh i don't think it's the money there i think they must think they it, it could be like what trump is doing in ohio where he's walking away from ohio financially not because he's given up on Ohio, but because if Ohio goes, he doesn't, you know, if, if that's where it collapses because he took the money to Florida, there's nothing he could do. 
it's the same thing. They must be thinking if Texas goes, it's an eight or nine seat loss and all the money in the world can't say, you know, can't can't push back against any of it. Um, and that's possible. Uh, and so in that scenario, you you think they would, uh, you know, again, Montana is cheap, but. Uh, but look, that race is a dead heat. I think. I mean, that's going to be a, 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 a real close race. They they must not. They may not think Texas is as tight as we think it is. But again, I think what they may be underestimating um, is with Biden going on the air there big. If he closes the gap, even loses to Trump, but just closes the the gap, makes. Uh, Helps like make, you know, as people think it's a real fight here, we're going to go, well, everybody starts to vote. You know, the, the energy level goes up. Uh, they could be misjudging this. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see. But I think that they're, they must be making a judgment that they don't think Texas is real. The only other state that I thought was interesting I did not see or basically saw crickets from Senate Leadership Fund and Mitch McConnell was Maine. Well, Maine don't look too good. <laughs> you know, that thing, I don't think that's going to go very well for for Susan Collins. So that could be another one that they've decided to walk away from. And it, particularly, it's a cheap state. I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not a, a state that's super expensive. It's only got, I mean, the Boston market piece of it's expensive, but it's not, you know, there is a Portland market. You can, you don't have to buy Boston um, if you don't want to. Uh, so they should, yeah, you'd think they'd at least be up in Portland uh, and also, you know, and the, uh, the the Bangor market, uh, and there's even a little market up in Presque Isle. But that, that I, I ran that state back in a couple of times in my life. So uh, I know the markets pretty well. And I just don't understand why they're not there unless they've just given up. So it's not just money Democrats are excited about. Obviously, votes are coming in and uh, big returns from Florida and, and a lot of places around the country. 11.8% of Florida's 14 million registered voters have already made their choice for president. What we do know in Florida is 362,000 more Democrats than Republicans have voted so far. On the first day of early voting in Georgia, some voters waited for hours to cast their ballots. Despite the fact that some of the lines were up to 10 hour waits. There was still a 41% increase in voter participation than four years ago. So we're really excited about Florida, obviously, but across the board, Democrats are winning in early and mail-in voting. Uh, people like Steve Shale, a good friend Steve Shale from Florida, uh, warning Democrats not to get too excited because of this big red wave on election day. So should Democrats be excited about this lead? Um, what do you think of Shale's take? Well, look, I tell you what, uh, right, right away, I'd listen to Steve Shale. Uh, he knows that state better than anybody, uh, I think, on our side of the aisle. Uh, knows it back, back and forth, uh, has run many things there. And, you know, you know look, here, here's what I think. Uh, look, I, I've got diabetes, right? Uh, I always vote in person. This year, I, I, I voted last week. I walked it in. Uh, you know, filled out the ballot and, and, and put it in the drop box outside the the county uh, election bureau. I was going to vote anyway. And I think Shale's saying that, uh, that that that's the kind of fear he has in Florida, that you can't just you can't just get excited about the numbers, because if everybody who's voting are people who are who would have voted anyway, it's great. It's nice. We got them there in, in their bank. Um, the other upside of that, though, is that. 
uh, you know, if the this wave gets bigger and uh, people start to fear uh, uh, going in person, um, it's likelier to be uh, to impact Trump uh, more than more than Democrats. But anyway, I would listen to to Steve Shell. He watch, he watches those numbers. Uh, you can't uh, get uh, uh, too too focused on them. Uh, there are others like uh, John Ralston in uh, uh, in Nevada who watches those numbers very closely on the early vote there, and he's seeing um, numbers that are so far uh, up a, a hill. I mean, just piling on, piling on as early vote uh, continued gain in in Nevada. And how many of them are Democratic ballots in terms of where they're coming from, which precincts that he he thinks there's a, a, a he's been writing. And by the time we get to Election Day, Election Day may not matter at all in Nevada, that Nevada may well be already done and finished uh, with Trump having no shot at it. So you, you one, it's a state by state thing. But I think generally, uh, given um, the coronavirus impact on the way people are voting, you can't. Yes, I, I think it's more energy, and that's good. But we can't count on it. We've got to uh, realize that it may be a lot of people who would have voted anyway. Usually, we try to make people feel better on this podcast. Not all the time, and but in this case, you're actually kind of saying, "Don't get too excited about this." Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been saying, make a plan to vote. Get three or four of your friends to make a plan to vote, and then do it. And by the way, start talking to some of your Republican friends that you stopped talking to the last three or few years uh, because you just couldn't deal with them. Um, but reach out. Maybe you can talk one of them into, into coming over to sanity. But my point is we got to keep driving through the tape. Um, and I think the other side of this is that we don't know how this is going to play out. In terms of the virus getting worse, uh, the fear factor of voting in person, um, and it could be that fear factor that's driving the early vote. Not, not don't don't just assume it's massive energy. the The reason I think there is a positive in this is it's clear more if it's fear of the virus or excitement, it's clear more Democrats are, for whatever reasons, voting early. Um, and that means that if this, you know, if the situation changes, if things get worse, if people uh, start to to bail out of voting in, por- in person at the end, that's likely to hurt Trump more than it is it would hurt uh, Democrats. Right. And so you, you'd rather have the leader. Yeah, sure. Of course. Uh, and it, look, every day's election day right now. So the more we can get in, the the better. I just wouldn't, um, you know, just wouldn't assume that. Oh wow, we've got all this energy. Look, it means we're going to win in November. Uh, I think we're going to win in November if if uh, Biden can hold his ten point lead for another week, uh, because that means there's no way Trump can close on him. It's a good sign, but I'd listen to Steve Shale. Now, is there a chance that some of these polls are actually undercounting Biden's lead right now, just because? I- how yeah, people respond. Absolutely. Um, you know, we see this, we're seeing this in polls uh, that you and I look at. Uh, yeah, the one of the first questions they ask when they're screening voters is, you know, do you intend to vote? Are you certain you're going to vote? Do you 
somewhat certain you're sure you're not going to vote. You're somewhat sure you're not going to vote. Uh, oh, and let me know if you voted already. Well, okay. So if you get in these states like Florida, where 11% are saying they voted already, they have to stay in the poll, right? You can't just poll the other 89% who haven't voted. Say, how are you going to vote? You, then you can't, you don't know where you are. You're at. Uh, they wouldn't know it's, you, you know, it, it's 50 for, for Biden and, and 43 for, for Trump. Uh, you've got to pull that whole group, the 11. So you ask them who they voted for. Well, you're asking a completely different question now because there's still a lot of people in America, actually, folks, who think, you know, your vote's private. It's a, it's a secret ballot. You, you put it in, that's why it's, you put it in the box and then like people go count it somewhere with, with judges looking at it and, and you get to, um, uh, and you have a secret ballot. I mean, some people don't tell their, their spouse who they voted for, right? So what happens now is a, a sizable group of those people who voted already are telling the pollster, you're asking me how I voted? None of your business. Right, and a lot of them now, are Democrats by registration. Well, so. well no, if, yeah, exactly. So in Florida, if 400,000 more Democrats have already voted, well, you know, I, I, I'm not saying Trump voters aren't saying uh, it's a secret ballot. It's none of your business. But I'm saying if there's two or three points saying none of your business, it's a secret ballot. How do, how does a pollster decide what to do with those people? He can't he can't like oh oh I'll just give those votes to Trump or I'll give them to B- Biden. So if there is an under, I, I actually think that 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 there may well be because of the massive uh, uh, early voting, and because all of it or the the bulk, you know, whether it's two two thirds of it or 75% of it in some places are democratic ballots, because we know from the counties, the precincts, that if there is an under under statement of where Biden, where somebody is right now, it's not secret Trump vote. I think if that phenomenon is happening at all, it's going to benefit Biden. And it means Biden's even stronger than we think he is. So we might be even bigger surprise. Uh, than, than I've been talking about. And, you know, I've been saying it's going to be a double-digit win. You know, look, the, the one thing I think is true and is another big advantage, though, for Biden, they, they're polling all this stuff. They know they're winning at that 11 points in Florida. Let, let's argue they know they're winning at 60-40. That was 11 points. That means that, that they now, and that, by the way, they know who voted. So they can now look at who hasn't and can we close that at all? Because if we close that, our margin statewide on Election Day grows. So you bank these the 60-40 in that first 11. Um, there's nothing Trump can do about that. Now you can, I mean, I'm talking about still in the persuasion mode, right? what you're putting on television. It's talking to those remaining voters and trying to move them. And it's a, that's a group, by the way, they haven't voted yet. Why? Well, because some of them haven't made up their mind. So they're they're movable. So I think what's happening here is, is because you're banking, like in Georgia, it, in Florida, in these key states, you're banking so much early vote. You know how big your lead is. Um, if you're if you've got a, a, a the ability and the resources, and he does. Uh, even what county, when you go into the state that you travel to, uh, because they haven't voted yet, uh, 
those kinds of things. Uh, it's just a huge strategic advantage that the Trump campaign doesn't have. So the Biden campaign has the resources to follow that, to, 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 to message it. They know who they have to reach and they know where to go. Um, and anything at all they close in that group expands his lead even more. Right. So all this means Biden actually is in the driver's seat to really push through a, a, a lead that's bigger than we think it is right now. All right. So, Joe, before we get to our listener question, we're going to play my favorite part of the podcast, which is ambush you with a poll that just broke four minutes ago. Uh, New York Times Siena has Lindsey Graham up six on Jamie Harrison, 46-40. Look, the fact of the matter is, when you look at this from a campaign manager's perspective, when you look at any incumbent and they haven't been above 50 since February of this year and are still sitting four or five points below 50, like he is, um, you don't sleep well at night. He's not out of the woods by any means. It's not a good poll for him. Um, I'm sure they'll bang a drum and, and say, hey, we're six points up. Um, but that's not how this works. And those undecideds uh, tend to vote to break against an incumbent in a race like this. Uh, and if Jamie Harrison gets a, a, the kind of turnout that with the money he's got, he's able to do, um, I think Lindsey Graham is in deep trouble. And this poll, that far under 50 at this point in the race, not good for him. All right. So, Joe, our listener question this week was submitted via email. If you want to submit a question, you can email thattrippyshow at gmail.com. And this one's from Barbara N., who was kind enough to drop us a note. Uh, Joe, can you discuss what's going to happen on Election Day? I'm very concerned that if the election is called for Trump by Fox, even knowing there are still uncounted mail-in ballots all over the country, how are the other networks going to respond? I fear that if they jump on the bandwagon of calling the race prematurely, we're doomed. Does anybody doubt Fox could do this? And how do we stop it? Uh, actually, yes, I do I do doubt that Fox will do that. Uh, I know Arnon Mishkin, um, who runs their decision desk, uh, He there is no way, and there's no way uh, he'll uh, call this race uh, under the circumstances that you're talking about, where uh, the, the ballots haven't been counted enough, uh, uh, but they're just going to call. It's, it's not going to happen. Uh, I think if it did happen, it would be over his dead body, or it's because if if, if you see his decision desk uh, call this race, it's because you should really worry. It, 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 that's what's going down. I don't believe that'll happen, but I can tell you that um, I know that operation and. Um, it, I look. There's several things people uh, can um, be worried about with Fox, uh, it, but uh, the decision desk, not Arnold Michigan, that's not going to happen. I know. I know him, and I. There's absolutely no way. Uh, like I said, over his dead body, or uh, because if you see that go up. It, by the way, if you see that happen, I guarantee you how good that decision desk is that within very short time, the other networks will be making the same call. Uh, so, uh, I just, that, that, that's not a concern. There's a lot of other concerns. The, the, uh, you know, the, the, 
uh, misinformation, um, uh, the suppression, everything. There's tons of things to be concerned about, but that's not um, something I'd be worried about at all. No, knowing, um, look, I've been a an analyst on on MSNBC, on uh, CBS, on um, and CNN, and on Fox. Uh, all those uh, the, the, their decision desks are impeccable. Uh, and I, uh, including foxes, uh, and, uh, and I think you can remember, uh, Carl Rove <laughs> chasing the, the decision desk around, uh, the set one night. Uh, gosh, I can't even remember what cycle that was, uh, where, uh, uh, he was arguing, uh, that the Republican had won and, uh, they were giving it to the Democrat if I remember right. And, uh, no, that decision desk will, will call the race a, a, as it actually is. And, I think you will see other networks making whatever the same call is. Thanks, everybody, for listening to that trippy show. Reminder, if you have a question, please submit it on iTunes in the reviews. Help us game the system, get more listeners. Uh, we really appreciate it. Spread the word, too, by the way, if, if, out there. You can follow me at, at Joe Trippy on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, and Alex is at... Shash Browns. Shash Browns. Yeah. Anyway, and you can also email us uh, questions at thattrippyshow at gmail.com. Damn, he's short. Waiting for it. Hey, everybody, have a have a good one, and uh, and come back on Tuesday. We'll have a better, we'll have a, 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 a we may have a special guest for you uh, talking about uh, about polling. <laughs>